From an outside perspective, restaurants are the perfect getaway. Great food, inviting atmosphere, comforting environment. It's an all-around fantastic time for friends and family alike. Though it can be beautiful and enriching from the inside perspective, as a guest, one doesn't see the hardships and stressors of creating a wonderful experience. Every restaurateur goes through struggles and challenges that could make or break them. This podcast aims to explore that, pulling back the curtain and understanding what it's truly like to run these establishments as told by those who do it. I'm Justin Warner, and you're listening to Resto Talk, a podcast brought to you by Touch Bistro. Who are you and what are you doing? <laughs> well, my name is Aggie Roberts, and I own the Music Man Singing Ice Cream Shop in Lavalette, New Jersey, which is a Jersey Shore destination point. Okay. Singing ice cream shop. I'm sorry. You have to understand <laughs> this. This might be the first time that I've heard of such a thing. Well, it's a theme. It's a themed facility. So think of us as a roller coaster ride and an amusement park that we see everybody all at once. So they come in, they order off a menu like a normal restaurant, but all the waiters and waitresses are performers or Broadway performers. And they put on a show after we get all the ice cream out. I see. So it's like dinner in a show, but it's not dinner. It's just ice cream. How long are these performances? Uh, about the customer experience. You're with us for a little over an hour. So if you think of the first 20 minutes as the ice cream time where they may have to sing, dance, or shout for their ice cream because there is an audience participation section. And then the second 20 minutes is our cabaret show, which is an improv show. And it's different every time. And then the last 10 minutes is strike and reset. So that's about an hour. Wow, wow, wow. Man, I mean, where to begin on this? You know, as if food service wasn't hard enough, you decided <laughs> to add a, a theatrical element to this as well. Yeah. I can say that I am very familiar with the idea of seating an entire restaurant all at once. I worked in a pre-theater restaurant. But also in Japan, it's not uncommon, especially at like uh, high-end ramen shops, to say, okay, we're going to seat the entire restaurant at this time. And then when you are done, you will leave. We will clean it up and then do it all over again. Exactly. And, that, and that's really the process, getting people in and out as a, a complete group. We say at the end of our turnovers, uh, eat up, pay up, and get out in a friendly way. And it's really kind of, you know, it's ingrained in people now that they know that they're going to come in for a seating. So it is a family experience. Wow, man. Okay. So when you're doing this, how many, how many performances, if you will, or seatings per day? Yeah. In the heart of the summer, we'll do between five and six a night. What we do is we think have these things called check-in times. So if a person's going to check in at six o'clock, they're going to get in between six and six 30. Since it's a dynamic show and a dynamic seating, we really don't know. It's not like you turn on a, a movie and it runs for an hour and then everyone leaves. There is a dynamic element. You don't know how many birthdays or anniversaries you're going to have to celebrate if something goes extremely right in a turnover or something goes extremely wrong. You want to be able to give the right amount of time. And you don't want customers to feel that they're being rushed. So we build in that flexibility to to bring people in within that half an hour period. But we want them checked in. There's you know, menus outside. They could start their ordering process. We've built out a, a web ordering process that they could start doing that before coming in. And then they're going to come in, sit down, and then we have our waiters that are and our staff and our scooping staff and 
topping the Sundays and, you know, getting them to perfection. We have that pretty much down to a science now. Wow. So where did this, where did this come from? Like, where, where did you get this idea? Like, you know what I'm going to do? This. I worked at some dessert theaters and some ice cream shops in college and graduate school. And this is a combination of a couple places that I worked and when I was a working actor. This, you know, dinner theater was something that I did quite, quite a lot. And then I worked at a dessert theater um, and the dessert was a lot easier than dinner. <laughs> and there was a lot less waste. So when my wife and I decided to start our own business now 20 years ago, we wanted to create a family destination point on the Jersey Shore. And, you know, growing up, being a Jersey guy and, and growing up in New Jersey, you know, when you go to the Jersey Shore, there's something for really everyone. So you're renting a house or a bungalow, as we used to call them. And the parents would take walks on the boardwalk. The grandparents would play cards. The kids would go to the boardwalk. We would all go to the beach during the day. So that was our main family event. But at night, we always felt that there was not something that the whole family could do together. Although the boardwalk is family driven, there's only so much, uh, you know, so much walking grandparents can do or parents are spending money on the arcade. So we wanted to create that experience that we can, that a family could do all together. And I think that's what we, that was our main mission. And that's what we accomplished. I like that. So you're coming into your 21st season and 20th year. Is that correct? Correct. So we, we bought the building in 2003 and we opened that first summer in 2003. So we just finished our, what we call our 20th season. Wow. So this seems like an idea that predates TikTok. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I guess I have a personal question as to how do you, I know ice cream helps, but ice cream only lasts so long. It's literally self-destroying, right? It melts, you know? Yeah. How do you keep the attention of people over 20 years, especially when I think in the last 20 years, the attention span of the public has decreased dramatically and you're giving them sugar? Yeah. Well, that same question came to me when we first opened. I went to when Josephine, my wife and I purchased the building and we were going into town hall and meeting with people in town and telling them what we were going to do. Someone asked that question, like, aren't you afraid it's going to be a fad? And my response to them, which is the same to this day, is you know, Broadway is never a fad. You know, Broadway's been there since, you know, late 1800s and the beginning of the 1900s. And Broadway's always changing and always evolving. And our show is not a theme park show. You know, we are not writing a show and doing that five and six times a night. Our performers have to learn how to do a show on the fly, meaning that they have to be ready for anything. So the, the show is actually being called as we're doing it. Each performer has their own folder. That folder has five or six of songs that they could pull out of their pocket at any time. And then it's up to the MC to choose the show and choose the numbers that keep the audience's attention. And we have a lot of ways to do that. We start, we have a monologue in the beginning of the show that kind of asks questions. And really the questions are mundane. It's like, how did you hear about us? But really what I teach the performers is listen to those answers. When you're asking those questions or you're saying hello, 
be aware of is the audience as a whole saying hello to you. And if that's the case, then you know that they're listening. So now you could do songs that are story songs that could tell, tell a story or have a gimmick to them. If they're not listening, which does happen, then you're going to sing more so popular songs that they could sing along to. So you're going to go out of your Disney songbook and you're going to sing songs like Part of Your World. And you're going to encourage them to sing along because as they are singing, it is getting louder, but now their attention is coming to you. And now you can win them back over. So there's ways to win over an audience. We don't allow videotape in our shop. And it's not that we don't want ourselves out there. And a lot of people go, oh, you know, it's great publicity to get videotape. What we want to do is we want uh, people to be in the moment. You know, you've been at concerts and you're at these events where as soon as something's happening, everyone is holding their phone over their head. And that's blocking sight lines for people behind them. People are trying to, you know, create that moment, that reality moment, which is not reality. Just enjoy what you're seeing. And we have a lot of people that come in multiple times in a summer. And their common thing that they always say to us is, we've never seen the same show twice. I had a call today. We're preparing for our Christmas show right now. And a family of family has booked a table for 16 for our Christmas show. The family has never been to us. However, the daughter, who's 10 years old, came with a friend this summer and loved it so much that she wants to go back and celebrate her birthday. Wow. And so, you know, and she got her whole family to come. So I said, are you sure you're going to book that that table at 16? Are you sure you're all coming? And she said, I have more than enough people that want to fill those seats. So yes, I want to book a table of 16. So that's rewarding in itself. It's just that you have a child who's 10 years old is really, uh, you know, children do lead the family and the family spend anyway. But this is just another example of that. In just in that past couple paragraphs there, you've had psychology, child psychology, music, performance, public speaking. That's a lot. How, how did you develop the skill set in order to be able to lead a team when it sounds like, you know, not to mention just, you know, musical ability, theatrical ability, all, all over the above, not to mention, hey, we're also scooping ice cream. Yeah. You know, how did you get this, the skill set in order to lead that and, and to lead so much so that even a 10 year old who could be surrounded by as many distractions as they want, want to come back with 16 others yeah. for a holiday show? Yeah. It's, Wow. There's a lot in that question. I feel that this is natural for actors to do this. This is a natural skill for us to communicate and talk to an, you know, an audience and bring them along for a journey. So as an actor, I don't feel that it came that difficult to me. And I don't believe that my staff that I bring on, a new staff every year, and I train a new staff every year, they have the ability to do that. You just have to create the environment and model it for them and believe in them that they can do it. And I am always thrilled. It's a daunting task when a new company comes in in May. It's a daunting task to get all this, you know, get them trained. But our training process is pretty clear on what we need to accomplish. And it's always so rewarding, you know, come the 1st of July or that period of time when you can watch them basically run the place. Yeah, they, there's guidance. and But for the most part, they're doing it. They've learned how to do this. And they skip up and they, you know, there's problems like any restaurant has issues. But 
I always tell them to make different mistakes. Learn from your mistakes. And we have a very intense hiring process and how we audition and how we cast our staff. But like I said, there's, you know, it's 25 new people every year that come in and do what we ask them to do. Wow. So it sounds like specifically when you are, you know, rotating a cast year after year, and it sounds like you are dealing with, you know, various crowds of every night and a different show every night, you know, that, that could be challenging. And it sounds like that's challenging year after year and day after day. What's the biggest challenge the music man has experienced thus far? Oh, well, physical challenge. Well, the, the, the most crazy thing is that we had to live through a hurricane. I mean, in 2012, we lost our whole building. And luckily, from a business standpoint, we lost our building at the end of a season and we had all winter re- to rebuild to get open for the following year. So that was challenging, but there was a lot of silver linings in that. And then all restaurants had to live through this pandemic. And that was challenging because we had to take our show outside. And although our business is on the beach block of a Jersey Shore community, which is a beautiful community in itself, you know, that's another blessing that we found Lavalette, um, New Jersey, because it's just a wonderful place to be. We had to be outside for the first year in 2020 and doing our shows outside and serving ice cream outside when it was 100 degrees, that's not an easy task. But we got through it and never looked back and just kept going. So I, I get, again, I think, that's an, I think that's an actor's skill, isn't it? Not the, that show the show must go on. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the cliche. But the, the actor's skill is to keep going. Even though there was a mistake or you go up on something, you just keep going. And you try to figure out how to do that. And Josephine and I and our staff, and I say our staff in the, in the fact that every, every year when a new company comes in, when they finish their summer, they get to put their headshot up on the wall. And we have up at the top of the wall is all the headshots. There's over 100 head, headshots on the wall now. Those individuals are what built the Music Man. And, I, and, I, and it, really was, it really changed for me right after the storm. You know, 2012, the storm hit on October 29th, and our Christmas show was going to be canceled, and I didn't believe it at that point. I mean, it's just bizarre to think that I was living in my mother-in-law's home while we were flooded out of our home, and I was still saying, hey, we'll find another space to do the Christmas show. That didn't happen. But what did happen was we always did the, we started the Christmas show in the was the first Saturday in December. And that particular Christmas, my mother-in-law said, we're going to decorate the Christmas tree on that day. And okay. So the whole family comes over and we're going to decorate the Christmas tree. And then she said, hey, there's people at the, there's Christmas carols at the door. And we went to the door and it was a member of every cast up until that point. They assembled and came with food and started singing Christmas songs. And they all came, they all came and sang. Yeah, that's yeah, magical. Magical. I always say that as someone who manages people, it's one thing if they do what you've asked, what you hope, what you taught, what you hope you taught, you inspired. Right. When they're on the clock. But it's something totally else when that 
excellence becomes reflexive and then they do that when they're not on the clock. It sounds right. like no, nobody was offering them X amount of money <laughs> to come sing Christmas carols to people who had lost their business. No. And we find, we find these people year after year and they find us. And that is the most magical thing. So the point I was making was that was the year that in my mind, the music man was no longer mine and Josephine's. It was this group of people that make up the establishment. Yeah, we're the facilitators and we kind of push it along and keep it, get it going every year. And But for the most part, the spirit of the company is now in the hands of the people that we bring in, our customer base. You know, we did something unique that year. We started this thing called the Reservation Club that year because we didn't think anyone was going to come. And now, all these years later, we have about 17,000 people in that club. And, you know, those are the people that make the restaurant go. So, speaking of going and going on, at the time of the hurricane, it sounds like you had about 10 years in. Yeah. So you were by no means green. And even though you are, you specialize in, uh, you know, not doing the same show every night. And it, it seems like a lack of order is your specialty. And being nimble is your specialty. After you've been doing that song and dance, pardon the pun, yeah. for 10 years, seems to me like that would have been a, a decent time to just like, Forget it. Like, cool. That was a great run. I love it. Maybe I'll just do ice cream or just do theater. Or maybe, you know, you'll join the hot dog eating scene or, you know, anything. And I think a lot of people, when you are met with that sort of tragedy, you have a choice whether you want to rebuild and keep going or you can just simply pivot into something else. And I think that that that's a big kind of a big metaphor. Whereas I think in restaurants, oftentimes, one, normal restaurants have that opportunity all the time to where their staff says, look, I'm never going to cook again, or I'm going to yeah. go work in finance or something else. What was it that kept you? And also, what, you know, what was the spirit of the people that encouraged you? One thing I have to say is on the Jersey Shore, when we were faced with that, yeah, I'm sure that there's businesses. And if I think you know, long and hard, I can think of businesses that did pack it in and said, yeah, enough is enough. But that was not the norm. We were coming back. The analogy that I use, um, and I've, I've said before, is thankfully it was a hurricane. And, and I don't say that jokingly. I say it because we were all in it together. And we were all, we were all faced that we all lost everything together. And we all took the strength, all the businesses, there's people that are still in my life that I met during that period of time, even though we were business owners in town, we weren't, we were business owners. I mean, we got very close during that time and we're still very close, but we were all in it together and we all supported each other to get operational and get back, which is different than a fire. And that's what I've compared it to before. If your building burns down, you're in it alone. Everyone can sympathize with you, but they're not walking in your shoes. And with a hurricane and a, a, a catastrophe that happens, I was always a believer. And, you know, hopefully people believe this. When you watch people on the news after a catastrophe, and there's, you know, I think about the people that are in faced with ter- uh, tornadoes, and they're standing in front of their home, and their home is demolished, and they're looking at the camera, 
and they're saying, thankfully, everyone is safe and healthy, and it's our house, and we're going to rebuild. Before the hurricane, I was just like, oh, my goodness, you know, is that a lie? Are people just saying it? And I have to tell you that they're not just saying it. We were all safe. My family, I have two boys, my wife, we were all safe. We left. Thankfully, no one was hurt. We rebuilt. I mean, I don't think about that every day. I do still think about it. Every once in a while, I'll say to my wife, Joe, do we have, and she'll go, no, we lost that in the storm. But 10 years in, 2012 was an amazing summer in so many ways. We we did hit our groove, but we were not long enough in that we could retire. We We had a young family and we knew how to do this. And we just built it 10 years ago. So let's say, okay, let's rebuild it again. So in the long run, yes, we lost 10 years of savings to rebuild the business that we just built. So we're really, if you think about it, I'm only 12 years in now. <laughs> but we're happy and you know, we're raising a family and it's a way of life. And that's restaurant owners do this. We start from scratch and we we build from the ground up. And the best thing is when people come in and sit down and create those memories. And I wasn't ready to walk away from it. I get it. So enough with the past. Yeah. What does the future look like? And sub question, what do you want your, or rather the music man's legacy to be? The future is, you know, to continue. I don't want to say that I'm in maintenance mode and that I'm just churning it out now. By no means do I want to do that. Creative people do not want to do that. We want to create. We don't want to just maintain. So I do want to keep creating. I I know it so well. Like (laughs) I I try and come up with the words for maintenance mode. And uh, to me, I still come up with solutions to problems. Just they are not the first time and they are not creative. I simply do what used to be a creative solution to an unknown problem. Yeah. It's, you know, you, you want... You want to keep keep it fresh, and that's what great restaurants do. We keep it fresh, don't we? But we evolve. So I want to keep doing that. I want to keep educating my staff, you know, and enjoying them. I've done over eleven thousand shows now, and it's still not old. It's still not an old thing to just watch them sing and watch them perform and watch them grow and learn the art of cabaret performing. So I want to continue doing that. The second part of your question was, what do I want the legacy to be? I have to tell you, I think I've already created the legacy and I want to maintain. That's what I want to maintain. I want to maintain the fact that I have, there's a joke when somebody comes in for their 20th birthday. I, you know, I say to them, I guess you're not going to be here this time next year because what 21 year old wants to come to a singing ice cream shop? But what's amazing is they do come and I've celebrated 20 birthdays with people. And I have now pictures of them growing up. That was something I did not expect when I started a business. I did not expect to hold the second or the third generation of child. I didn't expect that. But that is pretty spectacular to be able to have a moment and in front of an audience and ask, Antonio, how many birthdays have we celebrated together? And he says 15. 
So that's um, it's pretty special. For sure. For sure. For sure. Well, it sounds like you are in this for all the right reasons. And uh, it sounds like it is just second nature for you to be, you know, I always say to like run a good restaurant, you, you really have to be concerned with uh, the humans first and then everything else is kind of second. You know, if you can demonstrate that and if you can teach people to do that, or if you can inspire people to do that, as it seems you have done, all the other stuff will eventually line up. Of course, having money helps too. Yeah. That being said, what advice would you give to a young entrepreneur or restaurateur? I think you said it. To focus on making people happy and to get them to create those memorable moments. Taking a photograph, you know, encouraging, I would say, encouraging your staff to, when somebody comes in, especially with cell phones now, hey, would you like me to take a picture of your table? Because when that family goes away and they look at that picture, they're going to remember the good that happened that night. They're going to remember, wasn't that a great experience? We need to go back there. And although we don't want people to recreate experiences, especially in restaurants. We want that to have a new experience. We want, the, we want there to be a comfort level, but we want them to create new experiences. Getting them back is so important. And tr- just try, you know, figure out what you do and do that well. And, you know, there's still neighborhood hardware stores. And why do people go to them? They go to them because there's a familiar face there to help them. And they're going to go back to that familiar face. And that's why people go to restaurants. They want those familiar faces or they want to smile. So I would just say, you said it, focus on those people, focus on the happiness. Thank you for listening to Resto Talk, a podcast brought to you by Touch Bistro. I'm Justin Warner. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and we'll catch you on the next one. The Music Man Singing Ice Cream Shop is located at 2305 Grand Central Avenue in Lavalette, New Jersey. For more information, visit their website at themusicman.com.